Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Nancy Prayer Johnson, associate editor at the editorial board. And Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. We're recording this on Monday, October 24th. This is the first day of early voting in Texas. So if you're registered, please get out and vote. Make your voice heard. This is this is really important and uh, could potentially have some close races. I think certainly at the local level, I think there's there, there are a lot of uh, races that are that are still uncertain. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some recent polling and um, also some of the the messaging that we've seen in ads and a theme I think that's come up among some Republican candidates, both statewide and, and locally. There was a poll released, uh, I think it was Friday, from the University of Texas, Texas Politics Project, um, which had uh, Greg Abbott ahead by 11 points over Beto O'Rourke among likely voters. Uh, the m- most recent poll before that, a uh, month earlier, had him up had Abbott up by five points, but that was among um, registered voters. I think it's common when you get closer to an election, it's clearer uh, who uh, might, who's likely to vote that, that, that the, the methodology changes and the, and the focus goes to, uh, to likely voters. So you have to take that into account when you look at the, the, the shift. And also, you know, every, uh, you know, with every poll, I think that, you know, there are, there are questions about uh, how reliable they are. But I think it certainly got a lot of attention. And uh, we had another poll from Beacon Research over the weekend that told a completely different story. It had Beth O'Rourke behind by only two points among people who were, who were definitely planning on voting. So, um, you know, people can, I, I think, depending on where they where you land, uh, you, you're going to maybe put more weight on one poll or another. But one of the things that has caught my attention is that in recent weeks, we've seen Greg Abbott pushing hard on the idea that Beto O'Rourke wants to defund the police. He's run uh, ads that have featured an interview that Beto O'Rourke did in 2020, shortly after the George Floyd shooting, uh, George Floyd uh, 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 murder. And he uh, talked about his support for the idea of uh, Black Lives Matter, for the idea of uh, looking at police funding on a line item basis and, and looking at areas where you can move some of that money into other other areas. Um, and he said, in some cases, if you have to tear things down and start again, that's that's he supported that, too. That ad has has uh, has been running a lot. And it caught m- my attention because someone I know in the in the, the valley who is a, a loyal Democrat uh, recently expressed support to someone I know uh, or c- expressed concern about whether Beth O'Rourke is actually going to defund the police and it was nervous about it. And I think that it's been getting through. Um, so Nancy, I want to start with you. I mean, again, we don't know. I mean, he could, we could have a, a, a toss up race right now, or, or this race could be, you know, clearly in, in, in Greg Abbott's, uh, you know, hands at this point, we, we, the polls are telling us, you know, very different things, but on the question of defunding the police and how much impact that has. I mean, do you think that that messaging has been getting through for Greg Abbott? I think so. I mean, he's really focused on it and people are understandably concerned about crime, right? Um, Crime is rising, but you know, what is actually causing that? Um, Is there being, you know, is there enough done on it? I think that people are concerned about crime. And so when they hear that messaging, they are, you know, Understandably, they they're a little nervous, um, but you know we also have to look at the totality of it, of the context that that was said, and about what Beto has said after that. When he's talked to our editorial board, when he's in 
when he's over um, in his rallies and things, he doesn't say that. And um, and it's really important that people understand what the facts are and, and make sure to do their research. Um, these ads, they don't have to be, um, you know, they're not censored. So however they are submitted, uh, that is how they are run. And, um, you know, KSAT News is one that, you know, that's one that I often watch as well and see it. And I saw a blog last week. I may write about it, um, but just saying, you know, we don't censor them. We have to take them all or none. We are taking them. This is a decision we do. And yes. And so when people see things like little snippets from the news and it has KSAT there, they say, oh, you know. You know, that's or express news or whatever it is. And maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's a soundbite. Right. But it can be shortened. It can be taken out of context. And, you know, it's important that we look at the totality of it. And that's what happened. I mean, he he did say in some cases he would support the idea of defunding the police, which, as you said, he's not saying that now. He's now he's talking about um, I don't think he's come out and said I disavow what I said then, but he's. Uh, he said, I, my, I think he actually sort of denied that he actually, that that was actually ever his message. Um, the Abbott ad, you know, c- kind of, uh, there was some editing that went on in that interview, but he did, you know, uh, Beth Ulrich did use the, the term defunding. And I think now he's saying, I'm, I support police accountability. Not defunding. Yeah, he he has this kind of helter skelter way of talking <laughs> when he's when he's not actively running for governor or for which the was the case Senate, at that time. Right, exactly. Yeah. This yeah. was in 2020, uh, so well before his campaign. Yeah. But yeah, like he lacks discipline in how he talks, and he, you know, he kind of sometimes you get the feeling like he's thinking through policy on the fly. Like, mm-hmm. how do I feel about this? Is how I feel. This is exactly how mm-hmm. I feel about it at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, and that that. That softens over time as you get into into a campaign, gets tempered a little more nuanced than sure. he had two years ago. I think that's kind of the situation he's in. Um, I also think that the governor is, uh, you know, he's talking about crime. He's talking about immigration because mm-hmm. it's it's not uh, abortion rights mm-hmm. and it's it's not gun control. Yeah. And it's not the grid. <laughs> and so yeah, so those are. It is, but he doesn't want to right, talk right, about that. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is it? We don't know. We we really don't know. Um, you know, Democrats in Texas felt like, you know, go just think back to two or three months ago. They felt like they were gaining ground. And they, you know, and that that's when, you know, the polls were tightening between between Beto and, and Abbott. And they felt like, okay, the 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 history was kind of on their side and, you know, this could be their election. It, it, it felt like things were breaking in their direction. And two months on, uh, there's that, that feeling I think is largely gone. And it seems the, the election right now seems to be framed around the economy, that, that being inflation, uh, concerns about immigration and fear of crime. We just feel uh, it just feels like we're in this really tumultuous, unsettled uh, period. I think Abbott and other Republican candidates are, are taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you know, the the ad that he's been running the, that I mentioned is is titled dangerous. And that word also pops up in an ad from Ken Paxton, the attorney general, who's being challenged by a uh, uh, Democrat. Uh, Rochelle Garza, who's a, an attorney from the Valley. And I've I th- thought for most of this year that Ken Paxton was the most vulnerable uh, statewide Republican incumbent, 
because, I mean, this is someone who's been under indictment for seven years. He had eight members of his staff uh, whistleblowing on him and, and saying he was accepting bribes and and uh, performing uh, favors in return for a, for a political donor. Um, there's been so much sleaze around him. Um, and uh, Rochelle Garza's challenge, of course, was becoming better known because uh, she, you know, she was a first-time candidate. But um, I guess before talking about the the ad, I want to ask you, Nancy, because I know Rochelle Garza visited with the editorial board when you all were doing uh, uh, in the process of, of deciding who to endorse. What were your impressions of her? I mean, I'm a fan. You know, she is she is smart. She's competent. Her policies are sound. No, she is not trying to open the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is for the rights of Texans, right? And and so she, I don't see her just going and and you know opening the border and just saying like, okay, let's just let's just see what happens, kind of thing. She she thinks things out. Uh, she consults with other people. She is she's safe. Like you know she's she would make sure that that people were safe and that um, we wouldn't just make sure that, you know, Texas is dangerous. Right. So this whole rhetoric about she's going to make, you know, Texas more dangerous and she's soft on crime. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, I didn't come across. She didn't come across as someone that I didn't feel um, deserved the vote. She didn't come across as someone who would make Texas a more dangerous place. Um, she's competent. She has her heart in it. She's, you know, she's been all over. She had a baby and she's out on the campaign trail like weeks later, just a few weeks later out there. Um, and, you know, bottom line, she's better than Paxton. Yeah. I, it, the, the ad, which is, is uh, from Paxton, which is called Dangerous for Texas, refers to Rochelle Garza as a liberal extremist, saying she has compared law enforcement to terrorists and um, and that, that she advocates for an open border. And so, um, again, it's it's kind of using, you know, politics, if you can't inspire you, you scare you know, people. I mean, it's right. it's it's, it's fear, right. fear or hope. Has, it's something, you know. Has, can right. Paxton ever inspire yeah. anybody? That right. is a great right. question. <laughs> but, I, mean, really. well, I think when you saw that that he was taking this. Uh, challenge seriously is when he started, I mean, it's been about a month or so since he started running negative ads against her. I mean, I th- up to that point, I think not, he hadn't really acknowledged her name in that way, but uh, I think there was some, some concern on his part and he, he's again, trying to scare people. They don't know that much about her. People are, are in the process of learning about her. Let's just say she's, you know, we're going to just uh, have uh, unlimited crime and, and the open borders, which she really wouldn't have any control over the border anyway. But Yeah. I mean, Ken, Ken Paxton is kind of an interesting case study, right? So he's been in, under indictment since, what, 2017? Is that how many, how many, how many years? 2015. 15, he'd only been in office that's for right, a few months. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And he's got, you know, former staff members accusing him of all kinds of malfeasance. Um, and this guy isn't, uh, he isn't... Uh, particularly charismatic on his own. That's so, <laughs> uh, you know, how how he wins this race is by like just throwing himself into the base of the Republican Party. And, you know, that's that's the reason he was at Trump's rally, yes. <laughs> you know, Saturday night. I mean, you'll notice that, that Abbott was away, you know, Governor Abbott was away in Florida at the time in uh, at, a, at, a, at a fundraiser. Could have been scheduling. It could also be that uh, some recent polling has shown that uh, the Trump story about the stolen election is is turning off uh, voters, particularly in in suburban areas, mm-hmm. which could be where Abbott is vulnerable. So he can't afford right now to Great just point. throw mm-hmm. his arms around uh, Trump. 
but Paxton can. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that could be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, desperate. that could be his only hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, if he if he wins a re-election, it will be on the strength of, of that slice of the electorate. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely right. And, you know, if you look at Trump's history, I mean, we've, Trump uh, tends to come to Texas and, and talk about how much he loves Texas and how much he and, and how loved he is in Texas. But, you know, I mean, he beat Joe Biden in the state by about what, five point something percent. I mean, if you compare, you know, previous presidential races, I mean, Barack Obama was losing Texas by 15, 20 points to Mitt Romney and, and John McCain. So Trump really... Uh, uh, as as the, this period that we look at when we think Democrats have started to feel like we're in, we've got something going here, the 2018 midterms when they were able to gain you know congressional and Texas House seats and Beto O'Rourke almost beat Ted Cruz, you know, and if you look at that and then Joe Biden doing fairly well in 2020, all of this is is basically been a reaction to Trump. I mean, the 2018 midterms where that was a referendum on Trump in 2020 certainly. So. Um, you know, as you said, I mean, Greg Abbott doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to rile Trump up, but but he might want to you know keep his distance a little bit. And right. No huggies, no <laughs> for, for, from from Trump. Yeah, that's right. So on this issue of crime, uh, I think Republicans have kind of settled on it. As you said, to, you know, we don't they don't want to talk about abortion. They don't necessarily want to talk about guns. They don't want to talk about the grid, um, but the issue of crime and and the border. These are the things I think they want to focus on locally. We've got Joe Gonzalez, district attorney, uh, running for re-election. He's being challenged by Mark LaHood, the younger brother, a former DA, um, Nico LaHood. And Mark LaHood has put, put a strong emphasis on his uh, the idea that crime has increased. It's Joe Gonzalez's fault. Um, these site and release policies that we've seen locally for minor offenses, that that this has uh, contributed to crime. Uh, Joe Gonzalez has has tried to move the county away from from cash bail, you know, for, for minor offenses. So I think the, the, the message from Mark LaHood has been that we're just, people are just being, going through the system and they're, they're back out on the streets and they're committing crimes and Joe Gonzalez is, is to blame. I mean, Nancy, I know that you, you met with the candidates. Would yeah, you know? our board did. And uh, I'm not convinced that that's the case either. Yeah. You know, um, you know, even in, in meeting with the candidates, uh, judges, right. And from both sides, nobody said that they were, that they were uh, concerned with the mm -hmm. catch and release. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually said it's saving the jail money mm -hmm. um, and that it's needed. And, you know, and, they don't want to keep people in jail for these minor offenses that are not nonviolent. So um, nobody raised any kind except for LaHood, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we understand where that's coming from as well. I mean, they need something to to campaign on. And we understand, right? I mean, I get it. They need something to grab hold on. They need something for their message. They need some way to roll up voters. And if it's fear, you know, that is something that can can be effective, right? Especially for people who don't pay attention or, or don't know the facts or don't study or research or mm. read the paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if the, all they're taking in are those commercials, it's possible that they may, that they may believe it. Yeah. yeah. I think consultants call it a low information environment. I mean, you know, that's media kind of, too, right? right? right yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look, the, 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 the fact of the matter is like um, the causes of crime are many and they're complex and mm -hmm. there's a lot of overlapping stuff going on a lot of it has to do with the condition of the economy and you know if if that's if that's the case we're in you know we're heading into a recession if we're not already there yep. uh, the economy's been softening for a while and you know 
hence, you know, we've got higher, higher crime rates. It's not, the correlation isn't that neat. And like I said, there are mm -hmm. a lot of other factors that go into it. I just, I, whenever I hear a candidate talking about how an opponent's actions, a policy, it, a discrete, specific policy leads to more crime, I'm always, always a little wary yeah. because this is such a huge problem and like, everywhere. You know, yeah, it's exactly. not just, yeah, it's yeah. not just San Antonio or Bear County or even Texas, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is the same rhetoric. There's the same narrative that's all over the country. You look in New York, California, everywhere, Seattle. I mean, but yeah, it's a problem. Um, you know, and, you know, there needs to be some changes some policies, but the catch and release isn't the problem. Right. Yeah. And it's something, as you said, the police have, are, this is something they agreed to partner. Right. Uh, with uh, the DA's office on, and they it does allow for you know you've only got yeah. you've got limited resources. Any police department does, and if you're spending most of your time dealing with these minor offenses, um, I mean I, I don't think it's the best use. Right, you uh, want to focus on the true crimes, right? On the most, you know. If they're focusing on this little trespassing, mm -hmm. trespassing, and little, these little low marijuana charges, you know, like come on, and what it. How are they going to address real crime? And then you can talk about guns, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, open carry. So then they want to – so the GOP wants to talk about increasing crime, but, oh, let everybody carry a gun around with yeah. no yeah. – with nothing. Like, that, you that know. has nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> well, you know, on, on the issue of, of people getting blamed for things that happen on their watch, whether they're, they have anything to do with it. And, I mean, the issue of inflation is a really interesting one because, you know, people we've heard on the Republican side refer to Bidenflation and the, Joe Biden has caused this. And, um, you know, we – as the we see numbers from other parts of the world, I mean, if you look at Western Europe, double-digit inflation everywhere, and this is an this is an international issue, and it's a lot of it has to do with coming out of COVID. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean that's the thing. It's like, yeah, and I mean, COVID is like if if you have to have like a bad guy for inflation, it's yeah. it's it's like Jackie. COVID. <laughs> that's, that's really it. Because it Jackie destroyed, COVID. I mean, it like destroyed supply yeah. chains. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, and created, uh, you know, this huge labor shortage. So, you know, in order to fill orders, if you can find the raw materials mm -hmm. to put all this stuff together, where it's, yeah. whether it's semiconductors or furniture or whatever, mm -hmm. you've got to increase how much you were paying before just to get workers in the, in the door. And then you've still got other employers competing for those same workers. And so you're going to be, you know, doing signing bonuses and higher wages. And guess what? That's going to, that's going to increase the price of what you're selling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Overall, that's, that's inflation. That's, that's really Anybody who's tried it. to buy a car and a new car yeah. in recent months oh, yeah. knows, like, I mean, they're, you know, Our it's- car parts. It's a, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, cannot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a seller's market. It's yes. like, you know, if you want to just go ahead and put some money down and uh, it'll be here in a few weeks and, mm -hmm. uh, you know- just buy it sight unseen because that's if you don't buy it, somebody else is going to. I mean, yeah, yeah. so um, this is and you know on the issue of like on, on inflation when people talk about it, like oil. I mean, I think mm -hmm. the production was cut during the early stages oh, yeah. ago, yeah, yeah. and then there's had to be an adjustment to that. So uh, you know, it's it's just I, I know politicians take credit for things that they didn't actually accomplish, and they get mm -hmm. blamed for stuff that they had nothing to do with, and that's yeah. what we're seeing here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and you see that it, it is funny. Like, so Biden's in a position where he's, take gas prices, for example, like he's, he's got to look like he's doing something. So he dips into the oil reserve. Those are, I mean, it, we're talking about hundreds of millions of barrels of, of oil, mm -hmm. but this is, this is marginal. Mm -hmm. This is nobody is, nobody is actually expecting 
gas prices to to decline and stay at a lower level because he dipped into the to the oil reserve, which we could actually it, save. For, but I'm for doing something, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I, I got to do something. Yeah. So. Um, while we're talking about the issue of crime, and this is uh, you know is not exactly. Uh, you know, the, the same uh, messaging that we've seen with, with the other examples. But there is some, I think, something of a connection here. In the Bear County, uh, the race for Bear County judge, uh, Republican uh, Trish DeBerry has uh, featured um, a Facebook ad recently, uh, which deals with a case. And I guess we should get into the background of the case a little bit before we, uh, because uh, a lot of people who see this ad might not know what this is about. Uh, Peter Sakai as uh, a district judge, um, and he dealt a lot with family cases and uh, and uh, issues involving children. And there was a 2004 case in which a, a mother was separated from the home because she had tested positive for drugs. After a period of time went by, uh, you know, he looked at the case. You had investigators, therapists who were recommending that the mother be returned, uh, reunited with the child. And um, that happened, and the mother ended up killing this uh, her young daughter. Um, Peter Sakai has talked a lot about this over the years, how devastated he was by it. He took a leave of absence at the time and really questioned whether this is something he could continue doing. Ultimately decided that he couldn't let the fear of these kind of uh, the possibility of these kinds of things happening uh, keep him from doing the job as, as best he could. So... Uh, uh, Trish DeBerry in this uh, recent Facebook uh, ad uh, stated uh, Peter Sakai uh, sent a child home where she was killed by her mother. Uh, and the ad says, uh, uh, and, it, and it quotes him saying that, you know, you can't, he couldn't, decided that he couldn't let himself be afraid of, of making these kinds of decisions and he criticizes him for that. And then it concludes by saying, uh, Peter Sakai, bad judge, bad judgment, bad for Bear County. Um, Nancy, um, I was shocked when I saw it. I yeah. have to say I was um, I have a lot of respect for both of them. Mm -hmm. First, I want to say that um, in their own ways, they're strikingly different <laughs> candidates, very accomplished people, both very of accomplished yeah. in their own right. I respect both of them quite a bit. Right. When I saw it and, you know, and then the, the backstory, too, is the dark money ads. Right. And so we have all of that and we've all seen the the press conferences and the videos and the stories on that. Um, but even knowing everything, I was I was quite shocked when I saw that uh, video it was on YouTube. She shared it on Facebook. I don't believe it's run on TV yet mm -hmm. or if it's going. I don't know if it is. Um, I was just shocked at how low it was. It It really. It was dark, mm -hmm. right? And I, I back when I was a reporter on the news side, I covered these stories. I wasn't here at that time mm -hmm. for that case, but I've covered others. Every one of those child death stories, and I've done in-depth reports too, it, it, they're heartbreaking. It is very complex. It is difficult. Everybody wants to blame Child Protective Services as well. Um, there's so many agencies involved, and they should be, right? And mm -hmm. the safety net often doesn't work. But it does not come down to one person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come down to just the judge. Now, he did take responsibility for it. He did, as you said, he's open. Um, I know he did, um, you know, interviews with the 
newspaper with our newspaper. Um, he was on KSAT News. It was a huge interview. And I remember he was very, very clear about it. Um, and he took responsibility for it, but it's not all on him. The way these cases are, you have all these social workers involved, you have therapists, you have psychologists, you have people, experts who do this every day. And so when they take this case to him and take him all of the information and present it to the judge, the judge Sakai, he then has to make that decision. Uh, so it's not like they said, well, we're not sure, you know, we're not sure she meets the, the requirements. Um, and then something else that they're weighing is our foster care system is broken mm -hmm. and it's been broken for, forever, right? And so they're also weighing, are you going to keep these kids in foster care system that's broken? Or are you going to reunite them with a parent who has now done all, she's jumped through all these hoops mm -hmm. and she's done all these steps and it's a lot. It's it's complex. It's a lot that they have to do to prove that mm -hmm. they can now, that they can be a parent to their child, right? And to then get that towel back that they've worked through their problems. And these are cases that they, they, so many cases, it's constant, right? And so they see this and with their expertise, they say, yes, this mom is ready. The judge says, okay, he reviews it. And, you know, anybody who knows Judge Sakai knows that he is a leader, right? He is a national leader. He has made changes. He is um, well-known. He's renowned for this. Um, people love him, respect him, and not just in Bear County, but in Texas and beyond and nationally, right? Um, and so to, to hold that against him, to hold yeah. that decision against yeah. him as he is the only one is, is wrong. It should not have been done. Yeah. It was extremely low. And it, to me, it shows more on on her character than it does on him. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I see it as kind of a classic Carl Rovian kind of move where you take your opponent's uh, strong suit. You know, Sakai has been, you know, he's highly regarded as a judge. It is it is the foundation of his campaign for county judge. Absolutely. So you go straight at it. And uh, it's like a, a winning campaign or a campaign that feels like they've got the edge doesn't do ads it, like it has that. the it, it has the whiff of desperation. <laughs> desperation. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It feels like yeah. it feels like she knows she's behind and she's got to do something. And she's she's just kind of she's doing it. Yeah. You know, from the beginning, I know Judge Sakai, when we met him with him, um, he hasn't he doesn't say anything negative about her. Like even just in our meeting, even just us talking to him, has he ever said he has never said anything negative about about DeBerry? Um, and he says point blank, like this is going to be a clean campaign. Like I am not going to I'm not going to engage with the negative negativity. You know, he he says he doesn't know about those dark money ads. I hope it's true. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that he has no he knows nothing about it. And he definitely, you know, didn't pull the strings for that. Um, and it, it's a shame that those are out there, too. And we don't like those either. That's right. right? That's right. Um, and but we don't know who funded them. And that's the whole point about a dark money ad. But this was it's just it's low. It's it's too low. Um, and I just I mean, I haven't seen anything like it. But, you know, I, I personally um, I've. I've gone to his chambers. I've talked to him. I've interviewed him about di different cases mm -hmm. over the years, and I've seen how he puts his heart into this work. 
and um, and for anybody to use that as an attack on him, it's it's just really low. Yeah, and I think that that you know one of the principles that he followed as a judge uh, in dealing with these kind of cases was, I mean, he was a strong believer in, in reuniting families, right. which I think we all agree with, and he was working with the evidence at the time. I mean, I think there's it, there's always a, a temptation for people, and it's it, it's exploited in political campaigns sometimes. This idea of holding people responsible for actions that someone takes after you know she had not. I, I'm I'm not the extremely knowledgeable on her history, but I don't think there was any any history of like violence or anything. And this was this was a, a drug test that she had failed, and for him to be able to anticipate some horrible thing that she was going to do later, I mean, I think that's a lot to expect of anybody. Nobody that, can do it. I mean, police. This keeps police detectives up at night. Absolutely. Caseworkers. Everybody thinks, oh, the next child death is going to be the next yeah. baby death is yeah. going to be on on me. Like my name is going to be on that case history, and it's. It's extremely difficult. It's why they can't keep foster care workers and, you know, CPS investigators. And it's why police detectives are so stressed out. Yeah. I mean, look at the suicide rate with with um, police. You right? have to work with what people have done up right? to that point And uh, you can't anticipate what they might, might do right. later. You can't be there at all times. And again, foster care, I mean, it's so broken. Um, and when kids are in that system, it is very difficult to get them adopted out. In fact, today I had a source call me and their child, their children were in foster care and they adopted them and, and the, they're in really bad areas and they were, they were adopted out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so even then in the best case scenario is it, it is still extremely difficult once they have that trauma and nobody knows how it's going to end up. You can just try. And that's what they're doing. They're trying. Um, now there's an, I don't see how he could have taken another decision. What could he have said? Like, Oh, let's let, let's leave, you know, no, let's not return this child back to the mom who has proven mm -hmm. with all of their policies and she's jumped through all the hoops then she would have stayed in foster care and who knows what would have happened to her in foster care. Yeah. A very difficult case. Um, before we wrap things up, uh, wanted to get to a, a question, uh, from one of our listeners. We appreciate you submitting your questions. This one asks which candidates espouse, uh, Donald Trump's position that the 2020, uh, election was stolen. I guess I would start by, by looking at some Republicans, uh, that, that we've been covering who are not saying that, um, uh, we were talking before the podcast, uh, Nancy, about how Tony Gonzalez, uh, I think you all asked him, uh, did he think that the election was stolen? And he's, or th that the election was legitimate, that Joe Biden was president and 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 he, he right. did think it was a legitimate election. Yes, right? it's legitimate. Yeah. yeah. He didn't deny that. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll ask different uh, different candidates or incumbents, you know, what they how they believe. Right. And if they basically were asking, do you believe in the big lie? Mm -hmm. And um, and they'll just say, well, he is the president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we just kind of like, all right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we also see the voting record with Tony, you know, and we see um, that he did vote to certify the election and, and you know, went against so many in his party. I was going to mention somebody, a writer that I, who I love, Robert Draper, has a book out now looking at, uh, at sort of what's happened to, to uh to the Republican Party uh, in the aftermath of, of January 6th and the big lie. And apparently he asked Marjorie Taylor Greene. They actually started to kind of have some interaction with each other uh, after a while. And he asked her uh, at one point about the election and why she where, where the evidence was that the election had been stolen. And uh, she said, Robert, you're trying to tell me that 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. There's no, there's no way, you know, you, you, and uh, 
of course, the, the answer to this, because this comes up a lot. I've heard other people say this. Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona, has said this, something similar. And I was thinking it's it's pretty obvious to me that 81 million people didn't necessarily vote for Joe Biden. They voted against right, Donald right, Trump. Right. Right? Right. They've been waiting four years. I said, oh, my God, I didn't think he was going to get elected. I'm going I'm, you know, I'm going to be out there early the next time, you know, and um, but I think they kind of think, well, Joe Biden, how could 81 million people have voted for? So uh, that's that's where that's coming from. But uh, Tony Gonzalez, I think, has said, you know, there's a legitimate election. Chip Roy, um, who re- represents, you know, part of San Antonio, uh, has, uh, you know, he came out in favor of certifying the election results because he he believed that, you know, that this, the, the what the results from each state should be respected and the federal government shouldn't get involved in that. So he he has not really pushed uh, the big lie there. There have I think there were some uh, uh texts that were going back and forth between him and, and, and Trump's chief of staff at the time uh, of the 2020 election where he was asking for evidence. And I think he kind of stepped away from the, the, the fraud uh, argument when there wasn't much evidence that was, that was presented to him. If we, uh, as far as uh, other Texas uh, Republicans, we, Ken Paxton, who we talked about earlier, I think has been the the main, uh, you know, proponent of, of the big lie, and he was filing lawsuits and trying to to overturn the election results. Dan Patrick offered uh, um, uh, the lieutenant governor offered a million dollars to anyone who could provide evidence of voter fraud. Um, I think he came up pretty empty on that one. Greg Abbott questioned the the results. I think that has been the more common thing. I think that you've seen uh, Republicans in the state, uh, you know. In November, December of 2020, questioning the results, um, they got behind the idea of election reform in 2021 when they were asked, does this mean you believe the big lie? Well, no, this has nothing to do with that. We just want to make sure elections in Texas are secure. So they were able to kind of do take an action which would please Trump because it felt like a response to the 2020 election. But then they didn't go all in necessarily on on the big lie. Mm-hmm. Is that you yeah, think yeah. That's fair? Kind yeah. of winking. Yeah. Although I feel that <laughs> that is... It's doing it though, right? I mean, it's still unless you're denying the big lie, you're yeah. supporting it. Yeah, that's no. the thing. I think a lot of them have kind of you know kept their distance and don't really want to talk about it. Change the subject. I think it was an issue that demanded a, re- a response from every Republican candidate to to, to you know to be heard and and uh, but it's a. Uh, because it's still, you know, this isn't in our past. This isn't our present. It's in our future elections. And that's, you know, what we are really weighing now. This is not going away. Yeah. This is something that, you know, early voting is starts today, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see how it plays out. And um, I, it's still being fueled. Yeah. It is. And yeah. people still believe in it. Absolutely. Um, we're going to wrap things up there. Hope everyone's doing well. And we'll be back with you next week. Take care.